Here at Just Baseball, we have teamed up with BetMGM for the 2023 MLB season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use code JUSTBASEBALL, and you will get up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Step number one, download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code JUSTBASEBALL. Step number two, deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. Step number three, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your bet loses. Just make sure you use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL when you sign up. Disclaimer, 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. Call 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. Call 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code JUSTBASEBALL and get your $1,000 first bet offer today. Top 100 day on the Just Baseball show. It is presented by BetMGM. Use promo code Just Baseball. Start betting with the King of Sportsbooks today, Tuesday, August 15th. Uh, as you listen to this, why not crack open the top 100 prospects that Arm Layton had yet another uh, masterclass experience on? And uh, it's really good. It's as detailed a top 100 as you're going to find. And um, can you give me a guesstimation of the hours you spent on the update? Dude, I, I remember we talk about this every time and then I forget, you know, to like actually try to track it. Yeah. I, I feel like no matter what number I throw out, I'm going to sound like an asshole. I, way too much. Um, I, I I don't know. We'd have to break down. The, it's gross. I can promise you it's gross because it's any free time I have, uh, even not free time. I, we went on a road trip, my girlfriend Ellie and I. Um, and you know, it was several different like drives through the Midwest, got to do some minor league stops, got to do some other things. And I mean, anytime I wasn't driving, you know, I was hot spotting and, and doing more write-ups and stuff like that. So like, there's been no escaping it. Um, I love it. I obviously take a lot of pride in it. It's definitely, I don't think there's anything else I do. Um, maybe in this world that I am more proud of at this point. And I don't have kids. I don't have anything now. Like this is it. So um, no, I put a lot of time into it and I appreciate it, man. And uh, I'm excited to hear what everybody thinks. Yeah. Um, that's deep, man. I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to like respond to that. And it's like, wow, this is your pride and joy in your life right now. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It kind of boils back to like the Walker conversation, right? It's like, what's the thing that you're good at? And do you obsess over the thing that you're good at? Like, I really do feel like this is my, this is my thing. And, um, so I, 
unhealthily obsess over it. Thank goodness there's a way that we can, uh, you know, make it worth our while here by recording an episode on it, by, uh, you know, putting it out online and uh, continuing to use it, you know, for so many different things. But yeah, no, I, I say that like half joking, but it really is something I enjoy. And, um, and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, there are a lot of people that, that are going to say that you're not good at it, right? Like there are going to be a lot of oh, comments sure. like this list sucks. Uh, you know, it's funny. I always expect more, um, but I'm sure it, the bigger it gets, the more hate I'm sure will come in. And, you know, you ranked one guy too low. So all of the work is now nullified. So looking forward to that, of course. Yes. Love it. Um, all right. So we're going to we're going to kind of go through the top 100 and guys that stick out in the back 50 and then guys that stick out in the top 50. And then we jump into the top 10. The top 10 is uh, is the top 10. So we're going to walk through. Yeah. Uh, each of those guys 10 to one. But before all that, we do have to address the the Wander Franco thing because this has now impacted baseball, like what's happening on the yeah. field. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things that like, I don't have a take on. I don't think there's room to have a take on this kind of thing. Like if it's true, it's just fucking gross. And, yeah, and terrible. And terrible. And like, I don't know. There's no room to like have a take. And it's like, here's why no. I think Wander Franco is like not that shitty. It's like, yeah, obviously it, no it fucking sucks if this is the case. So uh, it, it's a really unfortunate situation that a young marketable player in major league baseball has done this to themselves on the baseball field. The rays get more and more screwed. Like this is as yeah. cursed a team in the second half as you'll find. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I want to get to that in a second. Cause like, this is, I want to almost just kind of like open it up and, and be honest with like you listening and, and you Jack. Cause like we had a conversation before we recorded, like, you know, how, you know, how do we really want to go about this? Like you don't need me or Jack to sit here and tell you that what Wander Franco is, you know, uh, what is alleged is absolutely reprehensible, terrible, and, you know, is grounds to never play major league baseball again and grounds to go to jail. Um, that's not why we're here. I just told you that the thing I'm best at in life is writing about prospects. Like that. I, I, I'm not going to be able to provide some sort of special perspective. It's common sense where I struggle is, you know, I, the one thing we can talk about is the baseball side, but I also struggle to talk about the baseball side when a young woman's life may be permanently affected when, you know, there might be a, you know, families affected that there, it's, there's so much more to it than this. But I, I I struggle back and forth with this because part of me wants to just focus on the baseball side. Like, that's what I do. But it almost makes me feel like I'm being insensitive to the issue. But then again, on the other side, what the hell else can I say about the issue? It's reprehensible. It's terrible. If any of that, you know, that is alleged is true, it, it's all horrible. So I, I really struggle if that makes sense. I'm kind of just like kind of just verbal vomiting, just like kind of just putting it all out there. I want to talk about the baseball side. I don't really want to talk about the other side, but I feel insensitive just talking about the baseball side. Like this shit sucks. I I, I hate when, when we have the crossover of like criminal activity, horrible things, and then baseball, because there is still a business side to it. And there is like, that's our job is to talk about baseball. So it's just, so it puts me in a, always a very uncomfortable spot because I never really know how to, 
how to go about it, if that makes sense. Right. And we don't like talking about it. I know that there are oh. some people that enjoy like getting on a moral high horse and just striking down the 22 year old that made a really, really big mistake. And I, I think an indefensible mistake in Wander Franco. And I don't even know if you can call it a mistake, man. Like it just sucks. Not really a mistake. And it's, it's sinister. Just yeah. Crap. Like he he's scum of the earth type shit. Like, that's the thing. We hate talking about this because we would so much rather be talking about the four and a half win player that, you know, is Wander Franco, but that's just not the case. So it's not fun. I think we were waiting for another reputable individual to talk about it. And as soon as the Rays placed him on the restricted list and and Passon came out and said something about it, it was like, okay, now we got to talk about it because it affects baseball. So he's not, he's not on the West coast road trip. Tampa is in San Francisco. Um, and again, like if this is all true and Wander Franco was dating this 14 year old girl, like that's so fucked and he should see prison time. Um, it, it throws Tampa in a very weird spot where they need to rely on Oslavis Basabe, who just got called up for his big league debut, Curtis Mead, who just got called up for his big league debut a couple, you know, days ago, a week ago. Um, like they're relying on a lot of young guys to try and weather the storm for the most decimated pitching rotation that you will find in all of baseball. I mean, their IL on the Hill right now is Shane Boz, Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs. That's the best yeah, four man rotation in baseball. No, a hundred, a hundred percent. That's, that's one of the, the most dominant rotations we'll, we'll see. I mean, that's, that's gross. Um, it's it's really crazy. I it sucks because the Rays are one of those organizations for better and for worse that has to be so perfect uh, to win a World Series. That's why we haven't really seen it happen uh, because you know there's a direct correlation to spending and winning. Like that's always going to happen. Doesn't mean that you just spend and win as we see with the Mets. But you know those are the kind of things that put you over the top. So the Rays have been trying to put themselves over the top. Whether that was locking up a Wander from that's an ironic use of, of yeah. term actually. Uh, whether it was securing a long term deal with Wander Franco um, and or you know going to get a Zach Afflin. like they, we saw them spending a little bit more here and there. They were you know reportedly and one of the best, if not the second best offer for Freddie Freeman. Like they were kind of trying to pick these spots now because I think they finally felt like they had this really good core that wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. And now like a couple of the really young arms go down, uh, even some of the slightly older arms that you felt like were could be a, you know, a piece for the next several years. Those guys go down. We're talking about second TJ type stuff where you don't even know what you're going to get back. Um, you know, and then of course what's happening with Wander, the Rays are in a really, really, really tough spot because you got to look at this season. You're still in the playoffs by a good margin. You're still talented, but you're decimated from what you were and you almost have to start thinking about what do the next couple of years even look like? Because how do the Rays approach this? They went from a team that was like purposely or per- perfectly put together to win now and in the future, similar to the Orioles. And I think they're still in a fantastic spot overall. If you look at the entire roster, but you know, as we get more clarity on the wander situation, you look at the pitching, this is going to be a real test of the cleverness of the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, obviously, we got to wait to find out what the deal is with Wander. But even besides that, their pitching is so beat up. They got they got a lot of things to sort through, um, which is you know really unfortunate given the way this season started for them in the first half. Yeah, and, and I think what people 
what's so hard to realize in real time now is we're thinking about Wander Franco not being with the Tampa Bay Rays this year. Like this is career ending stuff. Wander Franco, if this is true, I mean, he could be facing prison time and not play Major League Baseball again. So yeah. it's it's that level of severe. What do you do when that contract, that extension would almost definitely be voided? Um, yes. But w- what do you do for you know that? Like, what do you do with the future of the shortstop position? Because Tampa perennially has one of the better farm systems, if not the best farm system in baseball. I think if you looked over the last 10 years, Tampa may have the aggregate best farm system in the game. Carson Williams is in high A right now. Carson Williams is probably a 2025 guy. Um, Is Basabe the guy in 2023 and 2024? I think they're fine. They're obviously nowhere close to where they would be if they had a top five shortstop in the game. And that's what that guy was trending towards becoming, maybe already was. So I would say waiting game, especially when it comes to the starting rotation, like, I think you just play the winning game. You you wait to get everybody healthy. You've got Glasnow on that mini extension where Glasnow is going to be, you know, there next year. Shane Boz will be healthy next year. Hopefully Rasmussen's healthy next year. But you might not have McClanahan. I just don't know if we're ever going to see the perfect product of the Tampa Bay Rays. And this is turning no. into a what-if team, which sucks. Do they have yeah, the sustainability absolutely. to compete beyond that? Yes, they do. But if we have to look back and say, damn, those teams were stacked, but they ran into so many issues – one of which a legit prison issue and the other so many injury issues. Like it, it's just a really hard pill to swallow for the Tampa Bay yeah. race. Yeah. And you know, that's again, like that's why you hope that for whatever reason this, you know, they, they can kind of try to figure things out. And, and I mean, it's just one of those spots where again, they can't just spend their way out of it. So it's going to be interesting to see you know what they do. I, I, I will say, when you have one of the best players and most valuable assets in baseball potentially disappearing off your roster, like you don't even get to trade him, right? You don't even get to to cash that in for more yeah, prospects. It's just he just vanishes off your roster. That is really hard to come back from. So I'm sure they're and for for many reasons, mostly most importantly, that th- this never happened. So no no woman's life, young woman's life was negatively affected. But then on their side, it's just like where do we go from here if our franchise player has now just been wiped off our roster? So a lot to figure out in Tampa. And uh, man, I I don't even know how the team plays right now. I mean, I, I think about a lot of the teammates there to like to wrap up, just like it, you've watched your some of your main guys go down, which is demoralizing in itself. You watch your ace go down uh, and, and then you have this entire turmoil and this whole situation going on. How do they focus on baseball? How do they play baseball right now and and, and focus on a you know a pennant race? I, I feel I feel for a lot of those Tampa Bay Rays players. I can tell you that, dude, miserable. I mean, Tampa, you've got Tyler Glass now throwing in San Francisco tonight. So last night, um, they're in San Fran through this week, and then where are they at? They're they're in L.A. playing the Angels too. So I mean, this is a West Coast road trip where like I feel like nobody's mind is on baseball, but it is. It's such a hard thing to kind of wrap your head around because it doesn't happen often. Um, and I don't know if we've ever seen it to a player of this magnitude, a player of this magnitude. Like, I guess Trevor Bauer is the other example of that. Like, guy that is bona fide shithead should not throw another inning in Major League Baseball. You know, like, it, I don't know. It's it's just such a hard topic to 
dive into. And I think that's why we didn't want to touch it until we knew for sure that this was something that had serious yeah. gravity and possibly, you know, career ending gravity. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let, let's talk future. Let's talk top 100. This is, there's no way to transition out of that, but like we're going to transition to something that's really fun. And, and it is like Christmas morning for a lot of prospect heads, because again, you do more in-depth work on these guys than I think anybody else in the industry. And it's really fun to get that, you know, up close and personal look on how you do this. And I'm going to kind of walk you through the top 100 in increments of 10 and point out a couple of guys that jump out. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good to me. And of course the link to the article is in the episode description and uh, yeah, check, check it out. I'm excited to hear what everybody thinks. Yeah. There, there is a shocking slider in the top or in the uh, 90 to 100 range. Kyle Harrison is in the nineties left-handed pitching prospect for the San Francisco giants. And coming into the year, we were talking about Kyle Harrison as the top left-handed pitching prospect in all of baseball. It was him and Tiedemann. Now, not only have you made your case that Tiedemann is well beyond Kyle Harrison, but Kyle Harrison's not even considered a top 90 prospect in the game. I would say what gives, but I feel like I know what gives. He's walking seven and a half guys per nine. See, that that was just one part of it. If If it was just the walks, he's probably middle of the pack. The thing that really put me over the top here, and, and, and you know, I'm seeing a lot of other lists, I think, so far that they haven't really dropped him yet. The stuff is diminished, and I don't know what's up with it. Um, the velocity still kind of, you know, roughly there, but this guy's lost several inches of horizontal on his fastball, and that's a guy that it's a three-quarters release point. He he needs that horizontal on his fastball. It's part of what makes it really good. His His slider, his breaking ball is totally different than what it was. He's throwing it harder with less movement and it's resulting in less whiff. And then his changeup, which was an asset last year has been unusable. He he's thrown more balls than strikes with his changeup this year. So you have command taking a step back. You have stuff taking a step back and then some little nagging injuries. And you know, like he's young, he's got time on his side and that's why he's still on the top 100 list. And just about any other pitcher that would have this kind of downturn with command issues, Walking seven per nine and diminished stuff, they'd be off the list. But that just shows you how talented Kyle Harrison is. But if you're losing, you know, movement on all of your pitches and losing command of all of them, it's kind of hard to to not be in- incredibly alarmed. Yeah. Well, and note DL Hall isn't on this top 100 list. Like, yeah. I mean, Kyle Harrison's a lot closer to DL Hall than he is Ricky Tiedemann at this point, which is is pretty brutal to say and. I think a lot of people are still holding out a lot of hope for Kyle Harrison, understandably so. It feels very Cavalli-esque, where Cade Cavalli, you're just you're waiting for, you know, things to to get back to what you fell in love with. I guess Kyle Harrison, like there's a good chance that things could fall back to what you fell in love with, but it's going to take some serious offseason work. Very late ad, I know, at 90, Dylan Head of the San Diego Padres. Dylan Head was end of the first round pick. And this was a guy that I really liked, I guess, pre-draft, but I had a bunch of bias because he's a Chicagoland area guy that, I mean, can absolutely freaking fly. But you were really impressed with yeah. the swing. Yeah. Finally had access to some video. I mean, it's hard to get much video on Chicagoland guys if you're not uh, out there in person and seeing them. So, you know, we, we knew about the tools. You know, he's definitely a guy that, you know, 
course, when the, when when the Padres take somebody like that in the first round too, you kind of turn your head because they they do such a good job in scouting. But yeah. I mean, dude, the swing is really impressive. Uh, I, I was expecting him to be way more like you know speed over over field to hit and you know more of a project. Swing already plays, and he's he's been really comfortable in his at bats. He's walked more than he struck out, and he's also popping some some sneaky EVs. Right, he's not the biggest dude in the world. He's five nine, buck eighty five. He's already popping one hundred threes, one hundred fours. Um, and then we know what he can do, you know, with those legs. I, this is a dynamic prospect that can play a high level of center field. And if the bat's looking like it is right now, this is going to be the next kind of, you know, big, quick riser in the Padre system, which we seem to see every single year. Yeah. Well, and what I read was like really advanced defensively already. CJ Abrams had a cup of coffee pretty much everywhere. And then he was, you know, fast tracked to the big leagues. If Grisham like continues to not work out, like Dylan Head could be one of those guys that is just fast tracked. And I'm not talking 24 because he was a high school draftee, right. but I mean 2025, you start to have that conversation if he flies. Um, jumping into the 80s now, Arjun Namala was yeah. a guy that slid a teensy bit to Toronto in this year's first round. And Namala, I think you and I both really enjoyed. Um, what convinced you? that this high school draftee out of South Florida was a top 100 guy when he was picked. Yeah. I mean, being the youngest guy or one of the youngest guys in the draft, he's 17 years old and seeing how advanced that swing is. I, it, this was one where it was like, I can't back it with data. Cause you only have so much information on 17 year old high school guys, seeing how advanced the swing is seeing how much projection there is in his frame already too, um, in the athleticism. This is me just betting on like, this is my old school eye tests scout hat going on here where you know, normally it's mixing the data with the eye test with, you know, all the different things that we can put together here to, to get a final answer with Namala, It was just that swing freaking plays. And I see projection. Like, I think this is going to work out. Uh, and this is just a guy I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about. Who's more blocked Michael Bush. Who's in the eighties or Joey Ortiz <laughs> is a little bit higher in this uh, top 100 list. <sighs> Dude, I think Joey Ortiz is more blocked just because of like they have like three three dudes that can play shortstop at a high level. And like one of the calling cards of Joey Ortiz, even though he's raking with the O's, is you know, the glove. So I think Ortiz is like the most blocked, but Michael Bush kind of blocks himself a little bit by not being able to play much, much defense anywhere besides third base. <laughs> yeah, but this guy hits, man. It's incredible what he does with the stick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. In the 70s, um, might as well prime people on Oslavis Basabe because he's going to play a lot yeah. for a team that's going to be in the postseason. <laughs> yeah. Oslavis Basabe is in the high 70s right now. This is a guy that I know you've ID'd as one of the more underrated prospects in all of Major League Baseball. He, he's kind of that utility guy. He can play second, he can play third, he can play short with Taylor Walls dealing with that oblique thing. And I, the thing we just talked about with Wander Franco. Yeah. A Slavis Basabe, yeah. like what can he do as the shortstop for the Tampa Bay Rays for the next six weeks? Look, he's he's not gonna you're not gonna replace Wander Franco, you know, for however long he's out. But the, the thing is, is you can plug someone in there that's not going to hurt you, and I think is gonna do everything that you need to be done. And uh, he, he has the, a chance to get hot and 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 you know maybe get on a nice little roll here. But the reason why I love Basabe is it's good defense at short, it's great defense at second, it's great defense at third, it's above average speed. And he puts bat on ball consistently. Um, the guy might never make an all-star game, but he's a top 100 prospect because I feel so confident that he's a big leaguer and, and 
probably an above average one. His numbers are are not as good as I think his ability would indicate and, and how he's played this year. A lot of bad batted ball luck. Um, I, I think he, you know, ran into a little bit of a rough stretch and has really been been swinging it well lately. And then for a guy that, you know, doesn't offer a ton of like power in games, he hits the ball harder than you think. And I think there is a little bit more room for some some extra pop. A lot of doubles, a lot of triples, sneaks in some homers. I think he's just a, he's just a kind of player that that everybody needs. And I, I talk about like John Birdie with the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Like think about that, but even like better with the glove. Like that's a really good player that always gets overlooked. Not as fast though, right? Because Birdie is like Birdie can lead Major League Baseball. Yeah, Birdie's Birdie's faster. Um, I think Basabe is a better hitter, bat to ball wise. Yeah, got you. Um, another guy in the seventies, Sedan Rafaela with the Red Sox. He's hammering AAA right now. Can can the Red Sox faithful expect to see a teensy bit of Sedan Rafaela in September? I think so because there's, you know, I I, th- I feel like the Red Sox, you know, are waiting for Rafaela to, and this is just all just guessing. Yeah. The reason why we haven't seen him yet is like they want him to improve his approach. This guy is one of the most aggressive hitters in the minor leagues. I think it's just going to have to be one of those things that you put up with. Like he's going to have some really frustrating stretches and he's going to have some stretches where he's the hottest hitter on the planet, potentially. Like that's the kind of guy you're getting here. You're getting a guy that's 40% chase rate. He's going to swing way too much, but power that defies his frame. I mean, the exit velocities are not of what you see from a five, eight, you know, right-handed hitter. And beyond that elite defender in center field can play impact defense at shortstop can steal bags and gets into his power in games because he hits the ball in the air. Um, this is a 2020 threat with elite defensive potential, you know, at multiple spots. If his arm was stronger, I'd say elite defensive shortstop, but he could still be a really solid defensive shortstop. That's a really fun player. I just, I wish he would improve his approach, but yeah, no prospects. Perfect. Yeah. I love this stack in the sixties here. Got Marco Luciano, big leaguer with the giants, Christian Encarnacion strand, big leaguer with the reds. Luis Baez, who just got off the complex with the <laughs> Astros. This is the beauty of the top 100, man. But CES, I think people know the lowdown. He's an amazing hitter. Was CES a top 100 guy coming into the year? I don't think so. He, like, he was just missed. He just missed. But, dude, like it's so impossible to ignore what this guy does yeah. offensively. And and the bat the bat kind of makes this list. Yeah, it's it's it. I mean, he ain't giving you much more uh... – much more value other than that. But, you know, when you see what he did this year in AAA, he hit my big concern was how he'd hit velocity. Um, you know, he, he was getting tied up with hard stuff inside, really improved in that regard. And at that point, I'm like, all right. And then he starts cutting down on the chase. That was another guy that people kept saying, why haven't we seen CES yet? Why? Because he's chasing 40% of pitches. He's going to get exposed to the big leagues. He cut that down progressively in AAA. And then we saw him called up to the big leagues. And he's starting to look pretty comfortable up there. And it's special power. Luciano, is he the long-term answer at shortstop for the Giants? Ain't that the question, man. Um, He was one of the hardest guys to rank for me. Because there's the prospect fatigue side of it where it's like, oh, is he ever going to figure this out? Well, Maybe not, but he's also, what, just turned 22? Yeah. Uh, so th- there's like this, he's missed time with injury. I will say this, his defense has improved a ton. His approach has improved. He's going to strike out. Like, it's just going to come with it. T- he's going to strike out. But if he can walk, run to homers, and play good defense, 
I think he is the answer at shortstop until he fails. And I think it's kind of a coin flip if he's going to be able to really hold it down. But if he does, he's going to be damn good. You've got three of the farthest proximity guys um, away from the big leagues on this list in the 60s. In Luis Baez with the Astros, um, in Samuel Basayo with the Orioles, although Basayo is amazing. He might just climb like a rocket ship. Who knows? (laughs) Um, He is a catcher, though. And Luis Lara with the Milwaukee Brewers. If you had to collect one guy in the card sphere out of Luis Baez, Luis Lara, Samuel Basayo, where are you going? Oh, I don't, so I don't like catchers when I'm collecting cards for the most part, unless it was Andy Rodriguez. That was the one card I collected. Uh, Besides, like might be a candidate to move off of catcher. Uh, The reason why he's so highly regarded though, is uh, he has a shot to stick there. Huge power from the left side, Insane. Uh, but he's pretty maxed out physically. There's a little bit more whiff, you know, maybe than you'd expect. I'd, I'd collect, I'd collect bias, I think, because, I've been floored by this guy. I mean, he he was striking out at the DSL last year, Dominican Summer League. Goes to the complex to start this season. Looks like a different hitter, making way more contact, not striking out. And then gets the bump up to low A already as a 19-year-old and is putting up great numbers there. He's already flashing plus exit velocities, above average, you know, bat-to-ball skills. And this was one of the guys that the the Astros paid up for. He got over a million bucks. Um I think this guy's going to be really damn good, and he's going to be on a lot of top 100 lists, I think, very soon. You have cards available? Have you checked in on that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay. When he does, where do they got to go? Oh, alts. They have to they go. go check out alts. Yes. Baseball card market heating up in the second half of the season. Only place to search for Luis Baez, Luis Lara, Samuel Basayo, whichever of the three you want to choose is alt.xyz, A-L-T. Dot XYZ. Alts is the only platform that allows you to search for all the major marketplaces and eBay at once for these individuals. Just download the free Alt app using our link below in the show notes. Type a player or their card into the search bar and Alt going to give you every graded card available for sale. Even better, save your search. You can get notified every time that card is available. You want Pisayo, but it's all scooped up. Go save your search and you'll get a ping whenever Samuel Pisayo appears on eBay or the other major marketplaces. You will never use another app for researching and buying baseball cards ever again. We hope to be one-stop shopping for baseball coverage. Alt is your one-stop shopping for baseball card purchasing. Jumping into the 50s here, Rhett Lauder, who was taken to the top 10 by the Cincinnati Reds. He was the number two college pitcher off the board. Lauder checks in uh, in the high 50s, just ahead or just behind Robbie Snelling, who is a high school draftee by the Padres last year. These are two very intriguing arms, I think. Snelling is a power pitcher, was a you know power five linebacker prospect uh, in football or linebacker recruit, I guess, prospect recruit, yeah, recruit. all that. Yeah, linebacker recruit. Um, Snelling is power. Louder, there's a little bit more power in there than you would expect, but I mean, this guy has limbs whipping all over the place. Those two, they're they're such different arms, yet they stack here because they both look like possible future front of the rotation guys. When they both pound the zone with three pitches, you know, and I think that's the most underrated thing about Robbie Snelling is high school lefty. Yeah, you're you're kind of he's a powerful dude because he was a you know a linebacker with offers from Bama, Texas, name name a power five school. He was a four star. He was a four star linebacker. I mean that's crazy, but 
the, the thing with with the athleticism that you see with somebody like Robbie Snelling is he repeats his delivery so well already for a high school lefty. Uh, he's a candidate to probably see a tick up and stuff. It, it's just so impressive his feel for a fastball, a curveball that he manipulates already, which that was a really fun watch for me, watching the way that he would manipulate the curveball to make it almost two different pitches at times. And then this changeup that's you know behind the curveball, but already pretty advanced for a high school arm. I, I thought that was something that just kind of really put him put him forward for me. And then it's low effort with that athleticism. Louder, I mean, dude, just look at the college numbers. But if you look at the college data, people are talking about, oh, the fastball quality, blah, blah, blah. He's got a four-seamer and a sinker. If you if you are concerned about a guy's fastball quality, if he has two different ways that he can throw that fastball, buzz you up at the top at 94, 95, it's not like he throws 80, 94, 95. And then he also, you know, if, if it's not getting that whiff, if it's not jumping the way that you want it to that day, You've got that sinker as well that can get your ground balls at the bottom of the zone, which he got a lot of ground balls there. And then this is a dude that landed his slider for a strike 70 plus percent of the time, landed his changeup for a strike almost 70 percent of the time. He can mix in any of his pitches whenever he wants, wherever he wants, and that's going to make him pretty much a high probability mid-rotation arm if he stays healthy. Okay, so Snelling and Louder, they're not safe. Like no pitching prospect is safe, but they are reliable. Yeah, relatively. They are reliable. Um, Jacob Mizorowski is the exact opposite of that. Yeah. The the star of the futures game, the right-handed pitching prospect with the Milwaukee Brewers. Mizorowski is not somebody you look at and say, yeah, definitely safe. But he is somebody you look at and say, if this guy throws strikes, this is no-hitter type shit every time he steps on the hill. Like, what kind of arsenal are we looking at with Mizorowski? <laughs> I don't even know how to answer that question, dude. Yeah. Um, a one of a kind type arsenal, I guess, would be the answer. I don't have a descriptor for it because it's it's so absurd. You talk about limbs flying everywhere. I mean, th- this dude's slender man out there, and then you know you, you got it coming in on you at at ninety eight, ninety nine, a hundred. He's touched one hundred two, and then this this cutter that he throws in ninety to ninety three. Sometimes it backs up. At 93, sometimes it cuts to his glove side. Either way, it's a nightmare. And then he's got that sweeper in the mid-80s that is just devastating. It's one of the more ridiculous pitch mixes we've seen from a prospect in a while. The challenge is throwing strikes. He's across his entire arsenal, lower than a 60% strike rate. Uh, When he's not going right, you know, guys can hunt fastball. And even if you throw 100, man, when it's at the bottom of the zone, it'll get hit hard from time to time. So that's his issue. Um, I think his last outing just like puts it in perspective perfectly. Three and two thirds against the Tennessee Smokies Cubs double A affiliate. Yeah. Two earned runs, three hits, two earned runs, four walks, three hit by pitch, nine K's. (laughs) (laughs) It's just going to be one of those roller coasters you got to ride. And I think he would be higher on the list if there wasn't such high reliever risk. Yeah. And, you know, that's just there's just too much. And I'm thinking about like what what pitching prospects am I am I taking over this guy? There's a few because I, I at the end of the day, I, I don't want to be worried if my if the guy that I picked is going to stick in the rotation. Um, And there's guys that I have a lot of confidence will stick in the rotation ahead of him. But just on sheer stuff, this is still one of the best right handed pitching prospects in the game. Yeah, two of the righty pitching prospects that you would take over him are 46 and 47 in this. They're in the mid-40s. Um, before that, just inside the top 50 is Luis Angel Acuna now with the Mets. This is like a real quick question. 
Um, and I don't need, you know, much ex- expansion on this answer with how bad the Mets look right now. And with how good Acuna has been so far in the minor leagues, how soon can we see Luis on Acuna in a Mets uniform? Uh, well, he's hitting 163 since being traded to the Mets. So he's, he's actually cooked. He is cooked. Is he going to go yeah. to St. Lucie? Is that how we're going to do this? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, it, it's interesting because he's such a good defender. And I think the defense at short is a big calling card there. Of course, that doesn't matter when you have the defender at short in Francisco Lindor. He's, you know, would be one of the best defensive second baseman, I think, in, in baseball with with how good he is with the glove. So I guess it depends on where the Mets feel like they're at in, in terms of the rest of the club. But just in a vacuum of when I think he could be ready, I think end of next season. I think okay. end of next season is very possible. Uh, so he'll probably start next year at triple and starting there, you, you know, we'll see how he does. And um, he's ahead of schedule. He's young. Um, I think if he performs well in triple A, he could be up there by the end of next year. Uh, but it'd be funny to see him leapfrog Ronnie Mauricio, who's just been in triple forever. <laughs> They're just never going to bring him up, I guess. He's been so good in triple too. Like, I don't know why he's not up yet, but I guess that's a conversation for another episode. Although Mauricio is still, you know, a top 100 prospect. I mean, Mauricio has been really good to this point. So yeah, yeah, it is ebbs and flows, but you look at the end of the year and it's a good stat line usually. For sure. Um, all right. Mid forties guys. You've got AJ Smith Schaffer and Tink Hens stacked, and you gave the edge to Tink Hens. We had a conversation about Smith Schaffer, and it was, you know, how much do you want to ding him for, you know, getting up there, not sticking there, and struggling in triple when this guy was fast tracked out the ass when Tink Hens with the Cardinals um, has, you know, I guess kind of been baby before he got to double. And now like he's just starting to get stretched out to five innings. Does he have a six inning yeah. start under his belt yet? Uh, not that I know of. I don't think he has one. I have his- an alarm set. Uh, Alt, Alt couldn't notify me of that one, but I do have an alarm set for when he goes six plus. Um, and I don't think I've gotten that. I don't think I've gotten that alert yet. Yeah. So I, I guess, are you worried about the... I don't know, lack of information about Tank Hans when he gets tired. I'm not sure if he's gotten tired in a start. I'll, yet. I'll be honest. We will pull back the curtain here, Jack. Um, we're recording this at 4 p.m. on August 14th. The list will be live as people are listening to this at, you know, whatever, 8 a.m. on August 15th. That's one of those that I was going to sit down on the couch tonight and just kind of lament over back and forth. So. Here we are. And I guess this will be the, the Easter egg surprise. Which way do we go here? Hence was somebody that I saw more upside with Arsenal wise. Yeah. But to your point, like I've, we've seen kind of the stuff being consistent. He went, he went 80 pitches. He's finally going 80 pitches, by the way. He's never done that. Now over the last few starts, he's finally been allowed to go 75, 80 pitches. And we saw him 80 pitches sitting 96, touching 97, 98. And then the next start, it's 94, 95. And then he's back up to 96, 97, 98. Then he's back kind of down to 94, 95. So I do have some concerns there. And the craziest part is Smith Chavar is actually younger. So I I think by the time we actually finalize it, I might put we might put Smith Chavar ahead of Hens. But Smith Chavar has been underwhelming in AAA and the big leagues. And hence, while he's dealing with it at a lower level and he's far more protected, he has never been underwhelming. Yes. So it's like, do you pit that against him? 
you know, if we kept Smith Shaver, if, if the Braves keep Smith Shaver and high A and then double A, and he's putting up video game numbers, which he probably would have. Yeah. Then what, where are we considering him? And that, and that was a really fun conversation you and I had on the call up. And I think that psychology is kind of part of the reason why we had him behind hence, you know, to begin with, but and the more I think about it, the more we talk about it. Also, it doesn't help that hence his last outing, he got shellacked. Uh, but you know, I try not to look at it outing to outing like that. But he's only made a handful in double A, and you know, not all of them have been very good. Uh, I, th- I think you got to give the edge to Smith Shaver for a few reasons, and he'll probably end up being ahead of hence by the by the time we hit publish. Got you. Um, three big leaguers here stacked: Emmett Sheehan of the Dodgers, Sal Freelich of the Brewers, Jordan Westberg of the Baltimore Orioles. Um, Westberg, I think we are in the wait and see mode because Westberg is another guy that can play a a good middle infield that is blocking Joey Ortiz and Ortiz, uh, is right here in that, in that 40 to 60 range as well. Um, Sheehan has really, really struggled with the Dodgers so far. Why is Emmett Sheehan still a top 40 prospect for you? Yeah, I'm not that worried about it. Um, pitching's hard, man. And adjusting to the big league, the big leagues is really, really, really hard. And I was looking at some of the starts where he struggled at the big league level. And and then, you know, when, when he was successful in, in double A and remember, there's a guy that went straight from double to the big leagues. We see that more and more because they don't really want to stick guys in the PCL as much. Sheehan checks a lot of the boxes that I love in, in my favorite pitching prospects. Number one being that low vertical release point uh, that, you know, we talked about with Bryce Miller, Brian Wu. He's got that too. For a six foot five guy to have the, the vertical release point as low as he has, it is really impressive. The number one thing that stood out to me was he's just not getting away with what he got away with in the, in the minor leagues, which was in double A, I fall behind in the count. It's two and O. Now I go to the fastball. That is a plus plus pitch. And I blow by you and I even the count up. And then I go to one of my changeup or, or my cutter is slider. In the big leagues, I fall behind. Now I go to my fastball. And even though it's a really damn good one, they get on top of it and they crush it. And that's kind of been where he's at. I, I've seen the trend of, of him commanding the secondaries a little bit better. I think that's pretty much all he needs is you know, it's not bad. It's not like it's it's inconsistent enough where I'm incredibly concerned. It's just not big league consistently good yet so i think it's really just about the secondary command but i look at the low vertical release point the carry on the fastball at 96 to 97 and then the fact that he has better secondaries than bryce miller he has better secondaries than brian will i think his secondaries have more potential than joe ryan and so you look at those you look at that again there's command is, is the big part though yeah. if you're a fastball heavy guy he threw his fastball 65 percent of the time all those guys I just mentioned throw their fastball 60% of the time. The difference is they spot their fastball. Sheehan is not spotting it just yet, but Sheehan has better secondaries. So either he needs to see a jump in the command of the fastball mm-hmm. or improve his feel for his secondaries. I like that he has two different paths here, both of which I think are very possible. And if he does both, he could end up being a guy that we look back on and say he was actually one of the best pitching prospects, period. So I, I, I'm a believer in Sheehan, and, and I think he's going to figure it out. If you were to buy stock in one Dodger arm moving forward, and I'll give you Sheehan, I'll give you Bobby Miller, I'll give you Gavin Stone, who is on this top 100 list, and I'll give you everybody else, Frasso, Hurd, Knack, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Where are you putting your chips? Yeah, Miller Miller first, because that guy's just figured it out. Um, Sheehan, not as far behind as people would think, and then Stone's kind of like a, a, another step below. But I also like what I've seen from Stone. There's another guy that, 
okay, I dominated dudes with my changeup and was able to just kind of ride that to success. Big leaguers start spitting on that a little bit. I need another pitch. He adjusted the slider. He's throwing a hard cutter now at 89, 90, and he's had a lot of success of late now in, in AAA, and I think he's going to come back and make an impact. I do. Yeah. Um. All right. MLB Pipeline has this guy at 11. Baseball America has this guy at 16. You have this guy in the mid-30s. Where is your concern with Red Sox shortstop Marcelo Meyer? Yeah. It's there's a there's a few things. Uh there's a few things. I I like Marcelo Meyer a lot. I will I will say that. I think he has a chance to be a very good baseball player. I also think there's a lot of draft bias. There always is. A guy that's drafted high that looks the part, we tend to shove him up lists. Myers put up good numbers at the lower levels, but I see some some definite issues with the with the swing. He is a really pronounced barrel tip. And you'll see when he loads, like it is a really and it's a hand pump. So it's like down, up, down, and he's gotta he's gotta get it back down to get flat and, and enter the you know the hitting zone. Doesn't and this allowed, do that too? I think that's a Mark Vientos thing too, where he's he got- used to, and then he really quieted it down. Okay. Meyer will tip the barrel to the point where it's like pointing straight up in the sky. Oh, the and, you know, Mercedes look. <laughs> yeah. So, and when you're down, up, down, you know, it, it's hard to get back to the right spot. And he's just been getting blown up and it throws off your timing. And, you know, when you start getting hard stuff in on you, then you start cheating earlier. When you start cheating earlier, then you start making decisions earlier. When you make decisions earlier, the decisions tend to be wrong. So when you look at Marcelo Meyer's last 30 games in double A, he's hitting 171 against four seam fastballs. And how is that kind of trickled down to everything else? Chase rates jumped up to 36% because he doesn't trust his ability to turn around velo. And then now you're, you're, you're taking bad swings at breaking balls and you're just caught in between. So I, I see a guy right now where like, it's just going to be, I think it's just going to be a tough finish to the year in double A because it's just not one of those things that you're going to be able to change overnight. And then he's going to have to go to the drawing board a little bit, I think in the off season and and make some adjustments. The good news is he has long levers, which I think is part of the problem too, uh, of being quick to the ball His long levers. He generates easy power. The swing is very smooth when, when it finally does get going through the zone and there's a lot to like, I mean, it's all fields leverage that he's able to create, but right now he's just, He's struggling to get to velocity and he's catching himself in between. And, you know, that's just that's just too much risk for me right now to have him as high as some of the other guys that that we're talking about. I think if you look at the players that they have him ranked ahead of, you mentioned the other two lists. I I I, I feel like they almost if you ask them on the spot, hey, would you take Meyer over this guy, this guy, this guy and this guy that they have ranked behind behind them? I don't know if they'd say yes. I think it's almost like this you have to throw Marcelo Meyer in the top 20 kind of thing. Cause he's a name and he was a top pick and he's in a, you know, major organization. I hope people don't hate like how much we're bouncing around right now, but that's what the top 100 list is, man. Like we're going big leaguer to complex guy to recently drafted guy to, you know, top 10 pick that is like underwhelming by some standards, but you know, like it's, this is the beauty of the top 100 and this is the beauty of the best prospects in baseball. Like you just get every type of flavor when you go to the ice. Oh cream. yeah. So hundred percent. This is a blast for us. Um, give me the elevator pitch on Owen Casey, the Cubs outfield prospect <laughs> that is number 30 in all of baseball. You are the high man on Casey. And I guarantee that. Oh, we have been for a minute. We have been for a minute at just baseball. I think we had him on top 100 list before anybody else did. And then we had him higher on top 100 list. And I think he's still not even on a lot of top 100 lists, but 
Casey, man, you look at the exit velocity. People talk about the whiff. There's whiff there for sure. I mean, he's six foot five left-handed hitting power hitter who was in the Southern League, which is that experimental pre-tax baseball league that he had to deal with as one of the younger players, his age 20 season in that level and still is leading the league in home runs and just pulverizing baseballs. If you look since they stopped using those pre-tacked baseballs, Owen Casey's strikeout rate has dropped to 25% and his walk rate's up to 14%. The big selling point for him is the fact that he's produced at every level despite being one of the younger players at that level. And the power is some of the best in the minor leagues. Like I, I don't think people realize that his average exit velocity is on, I think would be tied with Rafael Devers for the 14th best in major league baseball, if I'm not mistaken. And his 90th percentile exit velocity of 110 miles an hour would also be among the 10 best in major league baseball. And this is a six, four kid who still has plenty of room to maybe even add even more muscle cannon from the corner outfield. He's cut down the chase. If he strikes out 25 to 30% of the time, I don't know if I care because he can actually hit 40 home runs. And I don't know how many guys on this list can actually hit 40 home runs, but yeah. he's one of them. Yeah, I, I'd say him, Wood. Who else? 40? Yeah. Like, Might be him and Wood. Yeah, like maybe maybe Wyatt Langford. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Tommy Nero, if he lifts the ball more, but like mm-hmm. that's not really his game. One more guy that I want to talk to, I want to, you know, kind of get your pitch on before I get one sentence on each of the top 10 prospects in baseball. That's one how sentence. End it. One sentence. It's going to be, give me your 10 second pitch on each of these guys. Um, who is Roman Anthony of the Boston Red Sox? And why is he a top 25 prospect in baseball? Yeah. Roman Anthony's fun, man. Um, and it's cool to see him kind of overtake the top prospect spot in the Red Sox system. Uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas draft pick. So same place as Kobe Mayo, same place as uh, Jesus Lazardo, same Rizzo. place as Anthony Rizzo and, and others. Uh, that's not why he's ranked high, but it is also a reason why he was able to hit the ground running so well in, in, in professional baseball. This guy's got staying power in center field. He's a left-handed hitter with plus power potential. And, and I think he can develop into an average or better hitter. We're seeing him put up big numbers in high A. Uh, and, and what I love from the video that I've seen, I mean, it's all fields. They've got that that uh, green monster replica in Greenville. Yeah. And he is just wearing it out, man. I think he's already hit six or seven home runs in his 20 games there uh, the other way. And it's just something I know he's going to be able to do at the big league level. He's just going to slap it the other way and sneak it over the monster sometimes or crush it over the monster. The pull side power is immense. He's an above average runner. The approach is fantastic. He chases less than 20% of the time. So for for me, I see monster offensive potential. He's still 19 years old. He's putting up big numbers in high A already. He, He could be a really special talent. And with the chance to stick in center field, you can you can make a case that he's kind of one of the next candidates to be one of the you know the next wave of top five six prospects in baseball when we get you know the wave ahead of him graduating. Yeah, um, I w- I was checking here. I feel like each ballpark in the Red Sox organization has some form of like a green monster. 
Um, I know they have it at JetBlue, which is where yes. their, their low A team plays. They've got it in high A in Greenville. I think in double A, they do have one. They've got that tall wall in left in Portland. And like, um, yeah, in Portland. To Salem doesn't have it, though. Salem doesn't have it. You're right. Oh, I guess their low A isn't at the complex. Good point. Um, and then the Worcester wall, I think it's in right field. I think there's a tall wall in right instead of left. <laughs> so I don't, you need some sort of gimmick and they have it. Um, yeah. All right. One sentence on each of the top 10 guys. I know that's really hard, but like, we're going to do it, man. We're up against the okay. hour and we're going to try it. Okay. The Rockies have a top 10 prospect in baseball in Adel Amador. Give me the lowdown on Amador. Best bat to ball in the minor league switch hitter. Cool. Pete Crow Armstrong at the Chicago Cubs is the number nine prospect in baseball. Best defensive outfielder in the minor leagues, Michael Harris starter kit. Holy superlatives we got going on. James Wood of the Washington Nationals is number eight. What's the word? Six foot seven center fielder who can hit 35, 40 pumps. Okay. Number seven, Jackson Merrill, shortstop of the San Diego Padres. This guy has climbed a double A in the blink of an eye. Five tool potential with a field of hit that you don't see from a six foot three kid. Really? Let's hang on that five tool. Like you think he's fast enough for that? I think people really sleep on the speed. Okay. I think they do. Like he can, he can run. Even if he slows down a little bit, I I, I still think that there's a lot of, a, a lot of similar, like a, a close enough, call it four and a half tools. Left-handed hitting shortstop. I'll take it. Got you. Uh, number six, Livy Dunn's boyfriend, right-handed pitcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Is that confirmed? I, I think so. Didn't the New York Post confirm it? They, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> good good for him. Uh, I mean, upper 90s where you want it, wipeout slider. This guy won't be in the minors long. His name is Paul Skeens, by the way. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. You're really good at LSU, but he's also Livy Dunn's boyfriend. Um, number five, Livy Dunn's boyfriend's college teammate is with the Washington <laughs> Nationals now. Dylan Cruz, I mean, elite approach, good field to hit. Above average. It's just everything is is above average or better. These guys were constantly stacked until right now. Marcelo Myers at 34. Jordan Lawler, shortstop of the Arizona Diamondbacks, is at four. What separated him? How happy are you? Very, very, very. This is, very. A, this is a common Jack McMullen W. He's always liked Lawler more than Meyer. And I, out of the gate, liked Meyer more. Um, but to stick to the one sentence thing, freak athlete. Unbelievably advanced field to hit for what I thought he would be. Powers developing, good glove. Okay. Jackson Chorio, outfielder with the Milwaukee Brewers. Let me just walk you through like last 30 days. I think he's hitting 380 and has almost as many extra base hits as he does strikeouts as a 19 year old in double A. He was dealing with that tack baseball and now he is on fire. Unteachable bat speed, frame defying power flies on the bases it's just special talent okay the rays have a guy that has pushed his eta maybe three years this year <laughs> in junior caminero who's a third baseman in the Rays system can i fuck the one sentencing for yeah, a second that's fine that's fine he hit three home runs yesterday <laughs> or the day before and the third home run went 472 feet it was a double header where he went five for eight with three homers and seven RBI and a 472 foot home run. Shit. So just start with that. Um, 
yeah, I would say elite exit velocities, a sneaky good feel to hit. And I don't even think he's done developing. Did he go off the top 100 to two? No, we had him. We had him at 90, 88 ish. And we were like the high guys on him going into the year. Preseason 88, 90 range. I'll tell you of Caminero before we get to number one, Junior Caminero. Uh, baseball reference does a great job, kind of like compressing everybody. Um, the- oh, I know, dude. My, my dying wish will be to have just baseball in there as well, where they show everybody's, you know, prospectus number 56, uh, Baseball America number 72 for each player. Like, my dying wish will be just baseball number. Two or whatever. I don't think that has to be your dying wish. We'll send some emails and, and let's see if we can get it. Done. I told you, bro, this shit is all I have. Okay. For now, um, <laughs> you've girlfriend flexed like several times in the last month. So, hey, who several who times? Knows? Several times. Um, the only other outlet to have him in the top 100 was baseball prospectus. They had him at 99 heading into this. <laughs> Pipeline yeah, so did not we have the him top 100. Baseball America did not have him top 100. We were the high guys on Junior Caminero. And now, He's the number two prospect in all of baseball. And number one, Jackson Holiday, the shortstop with the Baltimore Orioles, the consensus top prospect in baseball. This dude, did you see the video of his brother now too? There's another one yeah, who freak. looks exactly freak. the same. Like, come yeah. on, man. He's a 2025, yeah. I think. Yeah, Matt Holiday, he's shocker, knows how to teach his kids how to play baseball. But I think Matt Holiday might be like one of those really level-headed, healthy dads. Because the way that they play the game, too, specifically Jackson, like you could, I, I just, I'm purely guessing, but they don't play the game like they had like that helicopter drill sergeant, former big leaguer dad over them. Like it's a very laid back. And you see Matt Holiday, he just seems like such a laid back guy. I, we, I saw him, I forget what game we were at, but I saw him out there too. And he just watching Jackson just seemed super laid back and chill. But, anyways, his ability to just flat out hit is remarkable. Uh, to at 19 years old to jump straight out of high school and not only perform, but perform against low A, high A, and now double A pitching. He's not even done. He's not even close to what he can be as a baseball player. Like it's not even close. He has so much more power to tap into. His lower half, like, he he pulls off the ball a little bit still. He, he leaks out with his front hip, but his hands are so damn good. That when he leaks out, he will still shoot it the other way for a hit or pull it, um, you know, through the through the right side for a base hit. Like this guy's swing is not even a finished product, and he's hitting what is it, three eighty this year? No, like three forty two now. I think across every level, yeah, three eighty in double. There's been some batted ball luck in double. I don't care. Like it's just a ridiculous field to hit, and a ridiculously good approach to to be doing what he's doing and only chasing nineteen percent of the time and. You know, since he's gone to double, I think the zone contacts at like 88%, which is insane. Um, when he starts tapping into above average power, because right now it's really been closer to average power, this guy is going to be one of the, I think, you know, his upside's MVP candidate. Really, it's, it's think Gunnar Henderson type, but maybe a little bit less power and more hit. Uh, that's scary as hell. Like, sure, man, I'll take it. Um, Jackson Holiday, 19 games, has 30 hits in double A as a 19-year-old. This guy, 14 games in low A, 57 in high A, 19 in double. In 90 total games, he's slashing 342, 461, 537. That's a 998 OPS. 
his three five-hit games already. He has two four-hit games already. And he has one, two, three, four, five, five three-hit games already. Multi-hit games, if I count them all, will go to two hours. It's unbelievable. Damn, man. Just kind of wrapping up on holiday, like, I think the point you make is awesome. And the holidays are borderline like entering royal family in baseball category. Mm-hmm. I think the Riffies are there too. But I mean, what? It's it's Matt's brother that's the head coach at Oklahoma State. Tom yeah. is the dad. Tom was the head coach at Chatham for a good bit. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think he just finished up earlier this year. Um, but like, man, if Jackson works out and, and the younger holiday that I think is a 25 or a 26 works out, I mean, the holidays we could be talking about is like one of the all-time baseball families and they get better kind of generation by generation, which is so yeah. cool. Um, but yeah, like just watching Jackson play baseball, it almost feels like Matt didn't tell Jackson he needed to play baseball. Jackson was like, daddy has a cool job. I want to do that too. Yeah. And that's and, the way he, he plays the game. Yeah. And he's sick at it. So it's really, it's really cool. And if he grows to be like the, the, the physical, he's not going to be as tall, but if he fills out the way his, his dad was, I mean, this, this is an MVP candidate. He also has an adult body with, with a 12 year old face. Like everybody wants to make fun of his 10, 12 year old face. Like, he he's got like a nineteen year old like advanced. He's got a twenty five year old's body. Yeah, no, and that's why he's succeeding against twenty five year olds. <laughs> yeah, big time. All right, so that is uh, your little survey rundown of the top one hundred. Obviously, there are about eighty names that we didn't mention. So go to justbaseball dot com yeah. and read the masterclass of Aram Layton. You have one more thing. Yeah, we'll be doing. You know, I figure a lot of people listen in the morning or maybe you know during their lunch or whatever it may be, or you might even be driving home. Uh, we are going to do a Twitter space on Tuesday, the 15th. So as you're listening to this, I, I believe it'll be right around six o'clock uh, where I'll be answering kind of as many questions as we can on the top 100 list. Uh, we might start it a little bit earlier if if that means that Jack can hop in for a little bit before his broadcast. The original plan was to do it on Monday on Jack's off day. But uh, of course, I had you know, to put in a little bit more work into this thing. Uh, but yeah, we're going to do a Twitter space. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, follow us on Twitter to, to get a heads up if we're doing it around five, 6 PM. Uh, I'm excited to just answer any questions and, you know, just, just kind of talk, talk top 100 and talk prospects. Yeah, man. So again, kick-ass job. Uh, you don't need to hear it from me, but I am, uh, I don't know, I guess your biggest critic. So whenever I can tap you on the back, I will do so. All right. Looking forward to that day when it comes. I'm doing it right now. Can you not oh, notice? Oh, thanks. You are? No, I yeah. couldn't tell. Yeah. I'm not job. used to it. Good job, yeah, Arm. Thank you. Man. I'm proud of you. Thanks. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, every link you need is in the show notes. Um, we will link the top 100 prospects in the show notes as well. So uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you want to just go click on it and read the whole damn thing, it is The Odyssey by Homer Dash Arm Layton. Um, yeah, that's that. And Arm and Peter, we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.